Church, good morning. It is good to be back. Amen. And it is good to be back in the house of the Lord. And so we want to thank you guys from me to my family to you all for uh, letting us uh, get away for a week or so and have a vacation and spend some time uh, with our family. And we, we came back. We're, we're healthy. So praise God for that as well. But it is good to be back and it is good to see you all. We, we missed you and I want you to know that. Choir, it is so good to see you guys back up here. Amen. Um, and I know Billy's doing a great job with you all. You all sounded great this morning. Great, great, great to see that. You know, there's a couple of things that I noticed while I was, was gone, because when you're on vacation and you're kind of looking from, from outside, looking back in, there's some things that you can observe uh, that's going on with your church or maybe with your leadership. Well, the first thing I can tell you that, that Talena and I observed is, is there is no substitute for corporate worship. And what I mean by that is, we are so thankful to, to have Facebook Live, so thankful that people are watching at home, but there is no substitute for this. Uh, you, you need this. We need this. God wants you to have this. God made this for us. And to be together and to worship His name and to lift Him up and to sing praises to Him and to be with our brothers and our sisters in Christ and other people, man, this is what God made, you, made us for, and it is so good to be back. Secondly, I also can tell you this, that Billy is a roofer. And, and so if, if you need some roof work done, and whatever you, he gets paid, we're going to put in our Christmas fund for his staff. Amen. And so if you need roofing work done, see Mr. Billy Day. That's his side job. And, and so see Brother Free Marketing for you. And, 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 uh, and, and I know you, you're, you're killing it. And then the third thing that I noticed is, and Austin, we, Austin and I would like to, to rag each other quite a bit. Uh, you know, he would get on me about my sermon notes. Man, you got six points this week. And, you know, he's like, I'm only going to have three. And, and, and so, you know, I was watching him the past couple of Sundays, and he's like, yeah, I'll probably do 15 to 20 minutes. 20 minutes come, I thought, uh-uh, brother. Uh, and so I, I noticed that Austin can also be long-winded when he wants to be. So praise God for that. And so church, anyway, good to be back in the house of the Lord. I pray that you have your Bible with you this morning as we work through God's Word together. So open up your Bible to Acts chapter 9. And we've been rolling through the book of Acts and seeing what God has been doing from the new church to the persecution of the church to a man named Saul that was a terrorist of the church to something new that's going on now in his life after he met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And so Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to be in verses 10 through 19. Title of the sermon this morning is this, Will You Be the One? Will you be the one? You know, it's not very often in life that you see the hunted minister to the hunter. I want you to think about these scenarios. If you watched as much cartoons as I did growing up, you will be able to relate. How many times did you ever see the roadrunner console Y.E. Coyote when he wasn't fast enough to catch him? Or how often did you ever see Bugs Bunny sit down with Elmer Fudd and put his arm around his neck and say, eh, there's always next time, Doc. Or how often did you see the Smurfs knock on Gargamel's door and console him with a hug and a song? It's not very often in life, no matter if it's make-believe or if it is genuine, that we see the hunted console 
the hunter. But what happens when the hunter has a change of heart? What happens when the hunter has a change of mind? What happens when a former Christian terrorist says that he has received Jesus and the direction in his life has changed, and then he stands in the very midst of those that he had persecuted? How would you feel? What would you do? Now, I'm sure many of you are probably like me. You'd probably be hesitant. You'd probably be a little leery. You'd probably have lots of questions from this individual to answer. But let's see what a man named Ananias did. And what lessons can we learn from his life and his actions? Let's read Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 19. Listen to this story, how it unfolds. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. And in a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. And Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm that he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And then Ananias went to the house and he entered it. And he placed his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Look what happens. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. And he got up and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his what? His strength. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Lord, may we never, ever, ever take this for granted. Being able to come together in corporate worship to praise your name and to give of our gifts. And Lord, to be able to congregate with one another, fellowship with one another, be able to just have talk with one another, reading your word together, praying together, praising together. Father, we thank you that you have blessed us with this opportunity today. And so, God, as we meet this morning, we've already heard a word from Brother Austin to our children. God, I I pray that you're already working on their hearts, Lord. Our children, our youth, they need Jesus drastically, Father. Lord, I thank you for Billy and the choir, Lord, as they've opened our hearts this morning to receive your word, that we got an opportunity just to sing how great you are, God, even in a midst of a pandemic, Lord, even in a midst of things that are going on in our country right now, Lord, that may be bringing division, God, we know that you are the King of kings and the Prince of peace. And so, Father, we pray today that you open up hearts. Father, we pray today that you move us, Lord. We pray today that as the Holy Spirit is is in us and, and moving, that, Father God, there will be decisions made, Lord, for you. And so, Father, help us be the one for someone else. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray, and all of God's people said, we said amen. 
Now, I, I like to put ourselves in the shoes of Ananias. This, this is how we relate to the Bible, amen? Many times is by putting ourselves in someone else's shoes. So here you are, you're a new disciple of Jesus. You're living in Damascus. This is about a six-day uh, journey from Jerusalem. And you hear about this Christian terrorist named Saul that's heading your way, coming to your direction. But all of a sudden, the Lord calls to you in a vision. And he says to you, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named Saul, for he is... He's now, we don't know a lot about Ananias. There's not a lot of history here. But we know he's the disciple of Jesus. We know that he is a Christian. We, we know that the Holy Spirit is, is living within him. But there are a couple of things here that happened in this moment that he had with Jesus. And this is where your sermon outline starts, I believe, this morning. Number one, when the Lord spoke, Ananias what? He listened. You know, there's a difference in hearing someone and what? Listening to someone. Many times when we are just hearing someone, their words go through one ear and out the, and out the other. So Ananias was alert. He, he was very aware of the voice of God. And being a disciple of Jesus, he had been instructed to be a man of prayer. And because of that, when God called him in a vision, he knew God's what? He knew the voice of God. You know, the Bible instructs us on this. In John 10, 27, the Bible says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow who? And they follow me. So when the Lord spoke, Ananias listened. Number two, he was willing to face a difficult what? He was willing to face a difficult task. If you look back at verses 13 through 17, Ananias was, was scared. Wouldn't you be? There's a Christian terrorist that's heading your way. Someone that's already had Christians imprisoned. Maybe killed. The Bible tells us that when Stephen was stoned, the Saul was there. So we know it wasn't any skin off of his back if Christians were imprisoned or maybe if they even lost their life. And if the Lord called you to go to an individual that had been guilty of Christian terrorism, what would you tell God? Ananias more than likely had no idea what he would see or even encounter with Saul. But Ananias knew that his job, even though that it seemed a difficult task, he was going to go to this man and he was going to lay hands on this man so he could see again and so he could be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Ananias had to trust who? He had to trust God. Is trusting God always easy? Let's just be honest. It's not always easy. Why? Because we are a people that like to control our destiny. We are a people that like to control what we do through Monday through Sunday. We like to control and we like to have control. So when we trust God like Ananias did, it's saying, Lord, we confess to you that you know what's best for who? What's best for me? And let's, let's be honest. Do we put trust in ourselves or do we put trust in God? We should be putting our trust in who? Who? 
putting our trust in God. So Ananias had to trust God. And then number three, he was willing to be an answer to prayer. He was willing to be an answer to prayer. And look back at verse 11. It says that Saul was praying. And so through the last three days, everything that Saul thought he ever knew and held dear, everything changed in this man's life. The man that he thought was only a false prophet and a dead one at that appeared to him on the road to Damascus asking him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul knew that he had sinned by denying Jesus. And not only had he sinned by denying Jesus, but he sinned because now he finally understood he wasn't just denying Jesus, but he was denying the God that he loved so much. He was denying his son. He was denying the Messiah that had been prophesied about for hundreds and hundreds of years. And now here he was blinded. Now he was thirsty. Now he had been hungry for three days until the one that God had sent became his answer to what? To prayer. You know, the scripture tells us that when Ananias entered the home, he placed his hands on Saul and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord says, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming, he sent me to you that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something fell off his eyes, the Bible says. And he could see again. He got up, he was baptized, and after he took some food, the Bible says he regained his what? His strength. You know, John Piper, he once said, he said, don't wait for a feeling or love in order to share Jesus with a stranger. You already love the Heavenly Father, and you know that this stranger is created by Him, but separated from Him. So take the first step in evangelism because you love God. Amen? It's not primarily out of compassion for humanity that we share our faith or pray for the lost, says John Piper. It is first of all love. Love for who? Love for? Love for God. And when you love God, you have a love for one another. Saul was a believer in Jesus before Ananias ever came through that door that day on Straight Street. But Jesus used Ananias to take care of Saul. The former hunter, for God's sake. And if you think about it, the needs for new Christians today are much like in the days of Ananias and Saul. No matter if there's someone you've known all of your life and you think highly of, or if there's someone that you just recently met, or maybe there's someone that has had a cloudy past like Saul's. But the Bible reminds us in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other what? Up. So Saul, even though his past had been tainted, and let's be honest, he had a very tainted past, did he not? He was still a new convert. He was still a new Christian, and he needed to be encouraged. He needed to be built up, and he needed to be strengthened. And through Ananias' example, there are four points that I want us to look at very, very thoroughly this morning. Because, you know, when you read this story about Saul, and we know that Saul turns into Paul, and that's how most people know him. But when you read this story about Saul and his transformation and Saul and his testimony and Saul and everything that he had been through, listen, there's a man 
that you can't take out of his personal story. And that man's name is Ananias. And there are four things that we can learn from Ananias today that I know we need to apply to our own Christian walk. And number one is this in your sermon outline. You ready? New Christians need to center themselves on those who what? Act upon God's Word. New Christians. And there are those of you that are in here this morning that have been, are new Christians. You need to center yourself around people who act upon God's Word. Now, Ananias could have easily just scampered off after the Lord had spoke to him, especially after receiving a word from God in which he really did not want to hear to begin with. But like Ananias, we have two choices as Christians. We can either act upon God's Word or we can choose to what? We can choose to ignore it. We can choose to sweep it underneath the carpet. But the Bible tells us this, 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but actions. Let us love with actions, the Bible says, and in truth. James 1.22, don't just merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. New Christians, they need to center themselves around people that don't just say that they are Christians, but those who are passionately trying to live out the Christian way. God knew that Ananias had a heart. God knew that Ananias had a passion, I believe, for the lost, and that's why he called to him. I believe that Ananias was looking for opportunities to be used by Jesus to strengthen and to build other people up for God's service. Now, quick question. I want to get very personal for you or to you this morning. Are you ready? Would you want a new Christian to center their encouragement and their building of their faith around your life and around your interest? I want you to think about that. Would you want a new Christian to center their encouragement and their building up of their faith around your life and around your interest? What would they see? What would they learn? What would they experience? Or would you be the one, well, I've got to clean a few things up first, Brother Donnie. I've got, to, I've got to clean up the way that I talk. I've got to clean up the way that I walk. I've got to clean up the way that I act. I've got to clean up the things that I hold dearly. I've got, to, I've got to do some things first before I can help disciple a new Christian. Let me get my act straight before I help someone else. But isn't that what we're supposed to be doing to begin with? When did that change, church? Because let me tell you something, there's a lot of things that we hold dear in this life. There are a lot of things that we anchor our ships to in this life. Fun, the sun, hobbies, careers, things that we love to do, enjoy. But if I said today, listen, now every new Christian that comes into our church and into our fold, we're going to assign them to a church member and you are going to help disciple them. Would your life be ready for that? Would you be ready? Now we're not done with this question. I'm going to come back to it. 
David Platt once said in his book, Radical, I'm reading another one of his books at the very moment that we're going to do a study on starting in September. David Platt said in Radical, he said, Radical obedience to Christ is not easy. Listen to these words. It's not comfort. It's not health. It's not wealth and not prosperity in this world. Radical obedience to Christ risks losing all these things. But in the end, such risk finds its rewards in Jesus, and He is more than enough for us. But do we really believe it? Do we really believe it? Ananias is a picture of radical obedience because for Ananias, doing God's will and being obedient to God, that was his reward. God, I don't want to do it. Lord, I don't want to go to a, to a man that's been a Christian terrorist that, that, that has been, been, been persecuting the Christians in the way and running you down. And God, you're asking me to go to this house and to put my hands on him and to heal him through your name and for the Holy Spirit to impart on him and to encourage him and to build him up. I don't want to do that, God. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of I don't want to do that, God, going on in our churches today. There's a lot of it. I don't have to tell you that. You already know it. Well, Lord, I'll do what I want to do, or God, I'll do what's comfortable, or Lord, I'll, I'll do what I feel that I can do, but God, don't ask me to do something that's uncomfortable. Don't ask me to do something that I've got to get out of my comfort zone. Don't ask me to do something that I've got to climb out of my box. God, don't ask me to do something. I'm very comfortable in doing this, but Lord, please don't ever ask me to do, do this. And then number two, new Christians need to be reminded that they're God's what? They're God's chosen instrument. I want you to look at verse 15. Christ had a very specific job for Saul. He was going to carry out Jesus' name before the Gentiles and their kings as well as the people of Jerusalem. Now church, many times, here's what happens. This is our methodology many times in the church. We like to snatch them up. We like to get them saved. We like to get them baptized. We like to get them on a church roll, and then we forget about them. That's what happens many times within the church. It's very easy for new Christians to go astray if they're not being continually fed and reminded that God has a plan for their what? For their lives. Did not Austin refer to that a minute ago? He said, if we're not easy, our past do what? We go astray. And you know, it's, it, it's awful hard to disciple a new Christians when many times within the church, many of the Christians are not sure if they're doing the job that Christ has called them to do. This is personal. How is God using you as a chosen instrument to help build other people up? You are a Christian plan for your what? He has a plan for your life. Let me give you some of those plans. Are you ready? And these are not hard. Well, maybe they are for some, but... If you're a new Christian, I can understand it because you're still being discipled. You're still learning. But listen to me. If you've been a Christian for 5 years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, and your relationship with Jesus has not grown, 
your love for him has not grown, your love for others has not grown, then there is some stagnation within your walk with God. Amen? There's something that is preventing you from being that Christian woman or that Christian man that God wants you to be. And it could be money. It could be careers. It could be hobbies. It could be the lake. It could be the shore. It could be, I don't know. But you, you know. Because God's talking personally to you. Let me give you some things, that, the plans that Jesus has for your life. You want to know? Because everybody walking around this earth today, they want to know what's God's plan for me. Amen? Everybody thinks that it's a secret. Everybody thinks, well, if I just knew God's plan for my life, Brother Donnie, I, I would just love everybody. Let me give you some plans. Are you ready? Here's some of God's plans for your life. You ready? Love Jesus. Love Jesus. Well, I'm a big, rough, and tough God, God Brother Donnie. I, I, I'm not, I, can't, I don't love people very well. Have a change of heart, brother. Come to the altar and pray. Let God in. Love others. Well, I can tell you this, if you're having a hard time loving Jesus, you're probably having a hard time loving who? Loving others. Worship the Lord with others. Well, we can't worship the Lord with others right now, Brother Donnie. We've got a worldwide pandemic, and, and we just can't do that. We'll give you a mask. We'll give you hand sanitizer. We'll set you six feet apart. We'll sit you in the choir if that makes you feel better. Amen? Because I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to make some folks mad. Here it comes. We go everywhere we want to go. We go to the grocery. Well, Brother Donnie, you've got to go to the grocery. When did church become non-essential? We go on vacations. We go to the lakes. We go camping. We go to our jobs. We have our careers. We visit. Now listen, I, I know I'm stepping on toes right now. And you're thinking to yourself, boy, the first Sunday back, and he's already making us mad. But I'm telling you the truth. And the Bible says the truth will set you free. I'm telling you the absolute truth. Worship with others. Encourage others. Be a witness. Share the gospel. Live sacrificially. Be joyful. Be thankful. Pray. Use your talent that God has given to you. Listen, everybody thinks, well, God's given me a talent. You're right. But God didn't give it to you. God gave it for you to help other people. And so many people in our churches today feel so bad about themselves because they know they're not using their what? Their talent. Well, I'd just rather sit in a huge number somewhere and sing and praise God, but God don't ask me to use my talent. If you want peace in your life, if you want satisfaction in your walk with Jesus Christ, you've got to use that what? Use that talent, man. Sisters, use that talent that God has given you because He gave it to you and you alone. And then number three, new Christians should be fed the truth and not religious syncretism. I'm using a big word here this morning. Now, Ananias did not preach to Saul, per se, at the moments of their acquaintance. Ananias did not add his own thoughts. He didn't add his own feelings. He didn't add his own two cents about Saul and his beliefs and his past non-belief about Jesus. But he told Saul exactly why he was there, and that was to help him see again and to receive the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. Now, some may say, well, what is syncretism? I'll give you a definition of it. You ready? It's the reconciliation or fusion of differing systems of belief. 
It's mixing the bowl for people, for us humans, to be able to fit our own what? Our own needs and our own wants. This is basically a combining of beliefs that's based off main standards and not the accurate truthfulness of the Scriptures. And that is what you are seeing today in many churches around the world. But in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the what? And I am the life. There's a lot of different gospels being preached in our society currently. From seeking God for our own financial good, I call that the name it and claim it. Some call it the prosperity. Turn on the TV. To gospels that now tell us that sin has been redefined as choices. To gospels that tell us that there's more than one way to heaven. To gospels that don't believe that Jesus was both man and God. To gospels that don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah or even the Son of God. We're living in a day and age when many people are unwilling to speak biblical truth because we feel like that it is inappropriate or we feel as though it's not politically correct or we feel like it's going to cause division or we feel like it's going to cause unrest or it may cause others to look at us in a different light. Yet Jesus said we are to be the light of the what? Of the world. We as Christians are to be true speakers of Jesus, and that's exactly what Ananias did that day. Saul needed the truth. He didn't need Ananias' two cents, amen? He needed the truth, and the truth was Saul had been a persecutor of Christians. The truth is that Saul had been blinded by Jesus. The truth is Saul needed to know why Ananias was now in his presence. Truth is Jesus had sent Ananias to Saul, and Saul needed that truth. Now, what do people need today? Some will tell you more money. Some will tell you more fame. Some will tell you more popularity. Some will tell you more rights. And it goes on, and it goes on. But here's what they need. They need the truth, and the truth begins and ends with Jesus. That's what they need. They don't need a mixing of beliefs, but they need sound biblical truth of God's Word. Jesus is the Son of God. He lived. He died. He rose again so we can have forgiveness of sin, so we can have new life, so we can follow Jesus and His will, so we can share the gospel, and so that we know we have eternity with Jesus Christ. People need that now more than ever. And then number four. You ready? New Christians need the help and personal touch of other Christ followers. Ananias made himself personally available to God, which means he became personally available to his new brother in Christ, Saul. And I want you to watch this method. You ready? Ananias touched Saul with his hands because Jesus sent him there. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was received. Saul's eyes were immediately healed. He was baptized and he regained his strength. Saul was afflicted. 
And he needed Ananias to help him in his affliction. Saul needed his eyes healed. He needed his sight restored and his heart encouraged. And Christ used Ananias to do that. Now Saul's testimony may have been his personal testimony. But his testimony also included another Christian by the name of Ananias. And through Jesus, through his relationship with Jesus, Ananias had a job to do. He needed to be obedient to God. He needed to carry out the Lord's instructions even when it didn't make sense. He needed to heal Saul and impart the Holy Spirit. And he needed to encourage Saul. And Ananias was reluctant. Ananias was scared to carry out the Lord's instruction, but he did it, and his obedience will always be tied to Saul's conversion story and his new walk in Christianity. So church, I'm, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you. Have you made yourself personally available to Jesus? Now some of you have been reluctant to do this, but you call yourself a Christian. Have you made yourself personally available to Jesus? Have you made yourself personally available to your brothers and your sisters in Christ? Are you touching people spiritually for Jesus? Is your testimony, is it spreading the truth of the gospel? Do you want to be a part of people's conversion story? Do you want to be a part of it? You know, Ananias could have said no. Ananias could have ran and said, God, I'm just not Jesus. I'm I'm just not going to do it. I want to ask you this. You ready? Who was your one? Who was your one that made a huge spiritual difference in your life? Who was your one that God used you to help touch them? Who was your one that came to you and prayed with you, shared God's word with you? Who was the one that invited you to church? Who was the one that encouraged you? Who was the one that helped feed you spiritually? Who was the one when you think about your conversion as a Christian, you look back and you know that God used that person. When I think of my story, I think of Roger Pepper. Roger was my pastor at Mount Zion Separate Baptist Church many years ago. Preached, taught, loved people. And if it probably wasn't for that, I don't know where I would be today. But when I look back, I think to myself, that was the one that God used to propel me. Now, church, I'm gonna. uh, This is gonna be about as personal as you can get. Are you ready? Are you willing to be the one for someone else? Or are you just fine walking through life the way that you're going right now? Because some of you are miserable in your Christian walk. 
Some of you cannot remember the last time that Jesus touched you. Some of you may not even remember the last time that you let Jesus use you. And some of you right now have got things going on in your life that you don't think other people know about. But let me tell you, you can be seen. It's easy to see it. It's easy to see that you're sad and you're mad and that you're hurt. And people may think, well, you know, they built these altars for preachers to stand on or for music leaders to lean on. No, 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 no. No. These altars are for you to come and pray on. And some of you need to come to the understanding that God wants to use you to be the one for someone else. Now the question is, are you willing? The question is, will you do it? And so Billy comes this morning and we have our invitation. Church, this is your time. This is your altar. This is your moment. This is your opportunity to come and to pray and to get back where you need. This is your time to say, Lord, I've been running. I have been hiding. I have been doing my thing and my will. Lord, I need to repent, God. I, I need to be restored in you. I need a new relationship with you to take over and to lead me. Or maybe there's some this morning that have never been saved. They've never confessed Jesus as their Savior. Man, it's not hard. Amen. It's easy. Or maybe you just need to come and pray in general. Maybe there's something specific on your mind. I don't know. But I guarantee you one thing, you know, amen. And so as we sing this morning and as you stand, this is your time, church. Will you come?